Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, I sit down with fellow podcaster and friend, Mary Snyder. We talk about her journey of being a Christian writer and speaker who transitioned into tour producer and speaker coach in the faith space. Mary is one of those friends that can make you laugh until you cry and then turn around and tell you like it is. So be prepared to laugh and learn as we discuss her job with Compassion International, handling fame as a Christian quote-unquote celebrity, and her passion helping speakers take the stage. Before diving into this week's conversation, I want you to know that I desire to connect with you. I have learned the best way to do that is through my monthly newsletter. It is basically where I share more of my life behind the scenes and the message God has entrusted to me. It is where you can ask questions or share feedback. If you aren't a part of the community, will you take a moment, go to graceenoughpodcast.com and enter your name and email address to receive the next inside look at Grace Enough Podcast. Without further ado, let's begin this week's episode with my friend and fellow podcaster, Mary Snyder. Good morning, Mary. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Good morning, Amber. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. It's really great when you get to actually sit down with someone you feel like you know, it's just more relaxed and enjoyable. So I can't wait to hear a little more of your story that I may not know. All right. As we get started, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do. Amber, I am married. I have been married almost 30 years. Oh my word. That just scares me to say that. That's awesome. (laughs) It's amazing. We've been married for almost 30 years. Uh, We have two grown daughters and both of those girls are married. And one of them has a family of pets, two dogs and five cats. So they have their own zoo. The other one has uh, our two grand boys. One is nine and one is five months old. I know. I know. It's sweet. I know it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I am, I actually host a podcast. That's how we met, um, take the stage and I'm a speaker coach. And I also work with compassion international and I work with influencers. So I have a great fun job and a fun side job. You do. I love, um, what you do just because, you know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm an aspiring speaker, but I guess I am. I love, and I love to connect uh, with other people who speak. It's just a fascinating thing to me. And so we'll talk about that a little bit today, but I want to kick off our time by you just sharing with our listeners, how did you come to know Jesus? Tell us a little bit about your early faith journey. Oh, listen, I'm Southern Baptist to the core. So I got saved on Thursday at Revival because that's the day you get saved at Revival. I don't it know is, it's, or a VBS. It's Thursday on VBS too. <laughs> if you do five days, it's Thursday. But revival starts on Sunday night and Thursday is the culmination typically. Because, you know, we need Friday to go to our football games. We are Southern. <laughs> I love Friday it. It's football. so true. It's, listen, I'm, everything I'm telling you is gospel truth. And so she's was, from Alabama. So <laughs> anybody that's not from Alabama does not understand. Well, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people, if you're not from like Alabama, Texas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, there's these certain ones that like really Friday night football is really that important. 
It's really that important. It's <laughs> like I, Friday Night Lights, that whole Texas thing. We totally get that. That yes. makes complete sense to us. That's right. Now, understand, I, I live in a town now that when our high school, high school football team went to state, we closed the entire town. That includes the courthouse now. Yep. <laughs> Shut her down. Shut her down. We all went to the state. We all went. Yes. But I was saved at 11 years old. So I have known Jesus for a long time. Now, I would love to tell you, Amber, that all those years were just right there living at the foot of the cross, but they were not. I I have a lot of, I, I say I have a lot of potholes in my, uh, the road of my life. And I have jumped straight into some of those potholes, mm -hmm. saw them, jumped in, but the Lord really called me back to him and to the church in my early, late twenties, early thirties. And I dove headfirst into God's word. I started just soaking up everything I could. I did Bethmore Bible studies because again, I'm Southern Baptist. That's what we do. At least back in the nineties, right? It was, it was the deal. We all wanted Beth's hair, her cute outfits and the way she loved Jesus. Hopefully yeah. not in that order, but I did. I led Bible study and that's when I started speaking was in the nineties mm. and just wanted to share with people how much, you know, I just wanted to, I love the word of God so much. I just wanted people to love it with me. Mm -hmm. And I feel sorry for those first groups that I spoke to, because I would just like spew like the Bible at them. Just, and I thought I was, you know, I was kind of halfway thinking I was Beth Moore because I was spewing it in Hebrew too. <laughs> it was a mess. It was just a mess. But I feel like the Lord, the Lord worked through a talking donkey. So I feel Amen, like he, man. he worked through the mess that was me. So I got invited back several times to different places. So I went, I must have, they must have either liked me or they felt sorry for me and hope I'd get better. I don't know which one it was, but. Well, praise the Lord. God does a work in us in every area for sure. So, yes. well, when did you know? I mean, cause you've been a writer as well. And that's a little bit of maybe the, I don't want to say the difficult part of your story, but it kind of is. So when did you know you wanted to be a writer and a speaker? Well, I just knew that I wanted to talk to people about Jesus. I knew that. And I was a writer before. I, I mean, I was writing. <laughs> I wrote a finance book. <laughs> That's so funny. Really? Called, yes. Called You Can't Afford to Stay Home with Your Kids. When I became a full-time stay-at-home mom and left corporate America. And, and that was right in lines with me really diving back into uh, relationship with Jesus. Mm. And I uh, co-wrote that book. My husband, we still laugh about it because he goes, you might need to read your own book, <laughs> like on how to like keep a budget. When's the last time you kept a budget? I was like, times they are changing. But I wrote then, and then I knew if I wanted to keep writing, I wanted to write for the Lord. So mm. I wrote a book called God, Grace and Girlfriends, Adventures in Faith and Friendship. It's not a great book. I'm just mm. going to be honest with you. But it led me to write my Bible study. And for some reason, I cannot remember the name of it. <laughs> but it's actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm looking around going, where's a copy of it? Where's a copy of it? But I wrote a Bible study. And it's been about eight years ago. But Amber, I will tell you, after I wrote God, Grace, and Girlfriends, me and the Lord had a conversation. And I told him, I said, Jesus, I don't want to do this anymore. If you want me to write, you're going to have to, it's going to have to come to me. I'm going to knock on the door. I got an email that said, Hey, Mary, remember when you said something about that Bible study you wanted to write? It's from my publisher. We want you to do that. I didn't respond to the email for a week, mm. but I did write it. I loved it. 
It's good. It's very good. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. But I knew back in the 90s that I wanted to bring the message that God is good and that Christians aren't stuffy to the Mm. world. Mm. Because I grew up in a time where, you know, you couldn't wear white shoes after Labor Day and all the things, all the things. It was just so strict. And and then we met women like Beth Moore and we thought, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, okay. She's a little out there. She's funny. And I knew that I wanted to embody the humor that God had given me and bring it in front of people and that I could be funny and still honor the Lord. So that's why I started speaking and I loved it for a long time. And then I started working behind the scenes and I love that even more. Yeah. And that to me is fun. So do you feel like you have just always, there's been something in you that knew you love to speak in front of people? Yeah. I've been a performer all my life. I've never met a mic I did not love. Mm. And that started, I wrote a musical in school when I was in sixth grade. So I have, I have loved performing. I have always been a performer. Did you ever feel like, oh my goodness, this is wrong. Like I shouldn't feel this way. This may not be God's gift. Did you ever have any of those types of feelings? Cause I know from experience that I have, and it's taken a long time to get to the place of but I feel like this is a way that God has really gifted me. Why do I feel so bad about it? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Amber. And here's what it is. That's the world talking to us Mm. because we, and maybe some Christians too. And there are some believers that will say, and I have people say that to me. You're so prideful. I can't believe the way you just stand up in front of people and do this and that I've gotten anonymous letters Mm. local, but you know what I have? And those used to hurt. Yeah. But here's the thing. I have learned that people that strike out like that, they are doing it out of a place of pain. Mm. But here's the thing that I do know. Now, have I stepped on the stage fully in my flesh? Oh, yes. And I have learned that I have got to keep my eyes directly on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And for some women, that means when before they step on the stage, they need to go and they need to be in a prayer closet and they need to really, really get their hearts right. I've got friends that do that. For me, I'm praying all the way to that event, but once I get there, I firmly believe the Lord has released me to go and be in community with those women. Mm -hmm. And then I step on that stage and I feel like I am right where I'm supposed to be. I always open in prayer when I'm on a platform because that's how we have to start. And then the next thing I say, maybe a joke, but that's where, that's where we, we go, but there is danger in putting a cap on your own gift. Mm. And if God has uniquely equipped you and you feel the calling to step onto whatever stage that is, whether it's your local church or a Facebook live, yeah, step out in full authority, keeping your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Now, when it becomes all about the likes and the who's watching and listen, that's hard not to look at, but just keep turning right back to Jesus. Right back to Jesus. Amber, I I ask myself this every single morning because you you know, everybody does a word of the year. Did you do a word of the year this year? No, I'm not a big word of the year person. Well, I usually forget my word around about February. Okay. And I try to also why I don't set goals in January, Mary. So true. So true. (laughs) So I did a word of the year in 2018 because the only reason I know that is I have a sticky note in the front of my Bible. Okay. Other than that, I don't know what my word of the year was. Oh, see, it was 2018. A friend of mine made me a little thing, little magnet. It was being present. I don't know what 2019 was. And I don't, 
2020 was just, you know, it was a dumpster fire. And I don't think that was my word. But this year, I finally picked a word and I picked it just a couple of weeks ago. And it's focus. Hmm. Because every, and I wrote it down and stuck it in my Bible. That way I'll remember every single morning before my feet hit the floor, I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, give me the focus for today. The focus Mm. for the next moments, just focus, not on the goal, because I'm very goal oriented, but focus on him. Mm. Where do you have me? So that's been my biggest thing. Well, I remember when I listened to a conversation between you and Lisa Whittle, and you had said something to her personal story of yours, you didn't go into a lot of detail, but you had shared a little bit about some disappointment that you faced. And I can't remember if it was your book not getting picked up, or maybe you felt rejection as a speaker. Would you be willing to share a little bit of that story with us? So I was, I, my book, God, Grace and Girlfriends was picked up by Thomas Nelson. And I was, I had just talked to my editor and I was getting what is called first pages. And that is when you see the actual layout of your book, they send it to you in the mail. So you actually see it in a layout. And this book was going to be very unique because they were going to lay it out with really wide margins. So it was going to be longer than it was tall. So very pretty books, a lot of places to write in. So it was very much almost like a journaling fun book because the book is about different ideas for you and your girlfriends to have adventures. I was really excited. She was super excited and we were on the phone and two days later, she calls me and she said, I have good news and I have bad news. And I said, okay, now let me go back. This is 2009. Thomas Nelson had just laid off 60% of their workforce or it was at 06. I don't remember. I think it was 09. Um, 09. I mean, that's when the crash was because that's right around the time when I was pregnant with my oldest and it was just crazy times. It was awful. So the good news was I got to keep the advance and, and it was a nice advance. And the bad news was, is they were abandoning the book, which means I now all the rights reverted back to me, but they would not publish it, but I got Mm. to keep the money. Now, my husband being the practical person he is could not understand why I was upset because I got the, I could sell the book to another publisher, but I mean, it took me three years to sell it. Because it was just a bad time in publishing. I was devastated. And Lisa Whittle, after I talked to my husband and he's like, well, dying baby, that's like selling your truck and getting to keep it. Like, "Mm, (laughs) yeah, okay. It's more my heart and my soul. Yes. I called Lisa Whittle and, and literally she, and she's still more upset about that than I am. (laughs) She. She tells that story and gets really upset. I'm like, Lisa, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. With that. <laughs> but it was so, and it literally, I, it knocked my feet out from under me. I was like, yeah. but God, I thought we were supposed to do this. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, what are we doing? So I was taken aback, but I look back now on the journey and that has ministered to so many people. Mm. Cause I'm like, look, here's the deal. That book got published. I, I have an even better story. And I really can talk about disappointment and how God's still faithful. Mm, So true. It is so true. When you got started as a speaker, you eventually did transition into this role of, you know, I'm a tour producer. um, I'm someone who helps coach speakers. Tell us a little bit of that journey and really what made you make that shift well, you know what? It, it, there was no time that, that I always think of a dog on point. Cause you know, again, I live in Alabama. We don't <laughs> hunt dogs here. Well, now for those of you who are listening, nobody hunts dogs. They hunt we have hunting dogs, dogs. That's we hunt behind a dog. 
So, because right now there's several people that freaked, and I just want y'all to settle down. Everybody simmer down. We're good. We're good. Um, and I'm a huge dog lover, y'all. Seriously, it's insane. Um, but I think of a dog on point. And, you know, once a dog goes on point, you can't pull a dog off point. You have to physically pick it up and move it. Mm-hmm. So there was no point that I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. The Lord was just kind of shifting me and I was rolling with it. Mm. I started, I was working. What was I even doing? I may have still been a stay at home mom and writing. And I started doing a lot of things like with Lifeway. I was doing, uh, helping behind the scenes and just doing some volunteer work. Got to know those gals really well and became friends with a bunch of the event producers over there, still really close to, to several of them. And I started doing social media for extraordinary women. They hired me. Yeah. This is way back in the day, back before we had iPhones, we were still using Blackberry. So social media was not easy. We had to upload pictures, maybe even scan them in sometimes. (laughs) It was just hard. It was you just don't know, y'all just don't know how hard it was. It was hard. Um, We're so, so it's just so socials. difficult. <laughs> so difficult, bless us. And I remember my laptop was this big, big Dell computer and it was long and mm-hmm. it was just. So You're lifting heavy. weights with it, right? Yeah, like it was it's a, literally it was, like a 15 pound yeah, weightlifting. It was serious business. And I would sit there and I would sit there on the front row and take notes and type and take notes on what the speakers were saying. And then I would tweet it because Twitter was really the quickest way you could get things out. So I was uh, tweeting and handling all their social media way back in the day. Did that for a couple of years, just on a contract basis. And at the same time, I went to work. I reached out to Premier Christian Cruises. They had a cruise called the Girls Getaway. And I said, y'all need a blog. They were like, okay. So I started blogging for them. Again, talking to all the speakers, getting behind the scenes with them. They hired me, Premier hired me to work for them. I ended up producing the cruises. So now I'm producing the shows. I'm working on the stages. Wow. Then I start, then that's when I really started going in backwards behind the scenes and speakers, really listening to the message and making sure that I was hiring people with messages that would fit for the theme of what we were doing. Okay. That's where the coaching started. And I was with Premier for years and I did the duck commander cruise. That's so fun. And I'm going to tell y'all, this is a God story. I got that cruise because I sent Missy Robertson a, was an IG? No, it was a Facebook message. Wow. And she responded. It was right before they got big. So listen, God can use anything. He used a Facebook message in that he can well, use anything. Well, and it's interesting to hear you say that because even just yesterday, and I know you'll agree with this just because we're in this podcasting world. And even though you know a lot of speakers, mm-hmm. I had my neighbor yesterday ask me, like, how's the podcast going? And, you know, a little bit about connections. And I was like, really, you just have to reach out and be okay if the answer is no. And then just keep reaching out, keep trying to find that connection. And I mean, when it's supposed to work out or if it is supposed to, it will, it will. It will. Because you know what, Amber, if you never ask, the answer is no. It is so true. And so often we're so afraid. You've not lost anything by asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even if they never respond, you've not lost anything. It's so true. And and I've learned too, and maybe you have as well, is that the more um, 
I get a lot more used to not getting an answer or getting a no. It hurts a whole lot less once, pe- I mean, once you've received a few yeses and like 25 no's, it's like not even a big deal anymore. <laughs> right. Listen, I have been rejected by bigger people than you. You just come on with it. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> part of what it is. I think that that's part of everybody's story. Not everybody it's, gets a yes. You don't always get a yes. And the yeses are few and far between. They are. But they, so but it makes them so much sweeter. Yeah. So what's been some of your favorite tours that you've worked on? Uh, Well, my favorite tour ever was the Encounter Tour with Lisa Turkerson and Levi Leska. And the reason that's my favorite is that's my baby. And I birthed it. I created it. I knew that I wanted it to be a tour that spoke to the hearts of people that really gave them a, a unique encounter with God. And we did 13, 14 cities. We averaged a little over, we averaged about 1,200 people per city. It was incredible. It was hard. I mean, I fell in the back of a trailer, tripped and fell in the back of the trailer, unloading some stuff and like had bruises all down one side (laughs) of my body. (laughs) Well, what do you mean though, when you say like you created it? Like, what does that even mean? Like, do you say this is a tour that I want to do? I'm going to find the speakers. I'm going to tell them what they talk about. What does it mean to really create one? to create one, it does, it is your brainchild. So it's my brainchild in, and I have an incredible team. So it was the heart. I knew that I wanted to do this and I knew I wanted to do it with Lisa. Those were my things. Now I didn't know if I'd get her because she's okay. not, she's not easy to get. Yeah. And, and Lisa and I are friends, but I don't, I don't pull the friend card with her. I go through the right channels, make sure that I'm reaching out to her booking people, work with her manager, because I want to honor that friendship because I know she's going to do everything in her power to say yes to me. But I also knew that if I could ever get Lisa to do this, that she would love it. And she Mm. did because I give them the overall theme. I say, this is what the theme is about a fresh encounter with God. Lisa took that and her message, which was at this time was just the reconciliation of her and her husband had just happened. And she, she used that. And then Levi had a beautiful message that he brought and it, you just watch God use the creativity of all of us. I'm just giving you the theme. I'm letting you and God sort out what that's going to look like on the stage. And then we had Matt Brock, who is an incredible worship leader. He was there. It, it just came together beautifully. And the team, the set, everything was incredible. It, it would just, mm. and I just sit back and just go, you know, God. Well, so then how do you, with marketing and getting these tours to the places you want them to be, do you just hire a team to do that? Or is that part of your job as well? I have, we have an entire marketing team. Girl. Yeah. yeah I don't. I'm tired thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't do any of that. God love them. They're amazing. But I tell you what I do, what I do know is that I know that when we create something like this, I have to create it with everything in mind. Like I know Lisa's audience and I know Levi's audience. Mm. So I'm creating a tour around who I know loves these people. It's like, I'm not going to do, I've got a guy named Jonathan Pecluda who I love, love, love. Um, He is a young, he's a pastor at Harris Creek in Waco, but he really speaks to young adults because he comes from, I think, Watermark Church. Okay. Um, where he did the porch for years. So I would not put him on a tour like this because this is, these are not his people. His people are younger. He toured with Annie Downs. Mm-hmm. I his love people that are tour. young and fun. And that's Annie Downs people. It is. And, and Lisa's people are old and fun. 
I mean, <laughs> older, but well, and then also though, it is a little bit more of a serious, mm-hmm. um, not serious in a bad way, but more like me, I'm an old soul. So I yeah. actually would probably enjoy the Lisa tour yes. more than the Annie, even though I love Annie F Downs. Oh, and Annie's a blast, but you come to Annie because you want to get, and she had an incredible message that just touched each one of us. But for the most part, it, you are expecting that uplifting, you know, mm-hmm. that sounds fun. Annie F Downs, have a good time. And that's what we got Yeah, um, where Lisa brings fun and humor, but she also is going to dive deep into scripture mm-hmm. and um, just like you said, and leave really rattle your soul a little bit. is kind of what I feel like with Lisa. She really I rattles s- the soul. I sat under that teaching every single night and every single night it struck me. Mm-hmm. It was amazing how God could just continue to use the same message over and over and over in our lives as a crew, because we listen to it every night. Well, something that I think is, has well, I know it is difficult, not because I've done it, but because we've watched celebrity Christians just, it feels like they're dropping like flies here lately. And maybe that's too loose of a phrase to use. Mm. Um, but I do want to get a little bit more serious about that because the temptation is pride and fame and lack of accountability at times. And and I think that can even be true for the crew that works with these people. And so how would you say that you remain really grounded and focused on the message of Christ and on your own relationship with him as you're, you know, going out and seeing the fanfare and the audience almost just, I, I hate to say worship, but sometimes that's where we're at. It's like yep. a worship of a person. Um, so how do you stay grounded? It's, I will tell you one of the things I love because our team also uh, does a tour called Roadshow and it's massive. I mean, 14 buses, tractor trailers, but there's also a tour pastor. And what, mm-hmm. what we had on Encounter and on Annie is we had devotion every day. Every day we met as a team, we made sure we were listening to the word of God, that we were keeping our heart focused and individually, and I can only speak for me, but I saw it in the crew and in the the team is that we all make time for Jesus. We're busy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but you will see people, you know, sitting up in the driver's seat of the bus because the driver's sleeping and one's sitting there doing a devotional. One's in the way back, one's in the bunk, you know, one's sitting outside on the on the uh, sidewalk, we all do our very best to make time for Jesus. And that devotional, we don't say it's, yeah, we we do. We say it's mandatory for the crew. We require you come because we want to make sure that we focus. And then we also typically, now the crew doesn't get an opportunity to do this because that's, this is the busiest time, but about five minutes before the show starts, we will huddle up with the talent and, and if I was available, I was always there. If I was running something, I, w- I wouldn't, but the talent would always huddle up talent and their handlers. Cause they usually had somebody with them, a family member huddle up and do a backstage prayer. And we did that every night. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I've seen it. I've watched it happen. I've watched people all of a sudden believe in their own fame and it here's why it happens because they've not given somebody authority in their life to speak into them. And I've spoken to the lives of people that have given me permission right. to say, you know what, you need to check yourself. 
you need to check yourself. And I've had people do it to me because I've given them permission to say, girl, you are not all that in a bag of chips. Yeah. The temptation's <sighs> just so ripe. We have to stop worshiping people. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a body of believers, when you see them fall, we push them up on the pedestal. And then when we knock them off or they knock themselves off because they do knock themselves off, we sit around and applaud. Mm. Now, let me tell you something. We've had several Christians in the recent past who have gotten involved in some misconduct. As my friend says, a moral failure. Yeah. I have different words for that, but this is a family podcast. Um, so <laughs> I think, you know, my feelings on this, they're very big. <laughs> yes. They're mine, mine are big. And I definitely think that we have to be respectful of somebody who comes out and says, and is truly repentant, but we cannot ever forget the victims of those crimes. And I think that we get so swept up in the forgiveness that we forget about the victims. And let me tell you something, they're silent because they don't want all this now. Right. And I'm not going to name names, but we all know there's been some recent ones and there's so many victims around these people. And so much damage done. We've got to start listening to when people come forward and investigating, even if we do it quietly. Yeah. Yeah, But that, what you said about allowing people to speak into your life, and then Mm -hmm. it needs to be somebody that's really, really close to you that you're actually really able to know they love you and they care about you. And that's why they're speaking to you because when you aren't in a place where you can humbly accept, um, somebody else kind of sharpening you, it doesn't work. Right. I mean, we've seen it over and over again. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Well, let's talk a little bit about your work with compassion. Um, you do a lot of tour management with them. What do you do with them? And what is just something that you really love about working with compassion? Oh, what I love about working with compassion is we release children from poverty in Jesus. Amen. Name. It is an incredible work. And I will tell you, and how I do that is I work with live events. Now, obviously with COVID that all changed. I switched to virtual, my team switched to virtual and uh, we are shifting now to influencers and podcasters. So we're super excited about the shifts we're doing now. Touring's not gone, right. but it's still a little, a little shaky as to when all that will return. We're hoping for the fall yeah. um, and we're, we're planning for the fall, not just hoping we're planning for the fall, but my job is to, it was to basically create these live events, find the people to be on them, the talent, and then uh, hand it off to a team that does a great job of putting it together. I do typically go out on the road because I think it's like adult summer camp, <laughs> hanging out in the bus. Not everybody thinks that, but I love it because, you know, I'm an extrovert. Um, but the one thing that strikes me, it struck me about compassion. I was on my very first trip. I was in uh, the Dominican Republic with a bunch of people from Michigan. Okay. And they all knew I was from Alabama and it was July. Have y'all ever been to the Caribbean in July? It's hotter than the hobs of hail. Okay. Yes. And, and let me tell you what they don't have air conditioning. Okay, now the hotel we were in did, and it was very nice. It was very nice. But if you're staying at a mission, I mean, you're sleeping outside with a mosquito net over top of you. Yeah. Well, no, and we don't do that. We stay in hotels, but we do spend our entire day. I mean, we stay out in the field the entire day. So the funniest thing is, is these people are like, but Mary, you're from Alabama. This shouldn't bother you. I was like, y'all don't think we have air conditioning? 
I said, I, I do not go outside from June until September. I mean, I'm not, I'm an indoors. I, I know this about you. <laughs> I'm an indoorsy girl. But the one thing I will tell you, the first thing that struck me is because I'm American, I'm a U.S. citizen. And I assume we'd have compassion splattered over everything. I mean, it'd be on people's shirts, it'd be on the building, mm-hmm. you know, all the kids would be wearing compassion sponsored me. Not anywhere. Because compassion works through the local church and it's only through the local church. So when you, when you go to a center for compassion, it's the local church. Wow. That's really cool. It is. And the kids think the kids and the families, the sponsors are sponsors, but it all comes to the local church. Mm. They they wouldn't know compassion from, you know, anything else. That's one of my very favorite things is we do not try to show up and show out. Right as the great white hope, as the great, you know, U S citizens, we're going to fix it for you. We just work with what is already in place. Oh, that's so lovely. I know it really is. is wonderful. So then like, when do you help with the part of compassion? Like, for example, when I went to Andrew Peterson's behold the lamb of God tour and compassion's just there. And that's where we first started sponsoring. Um, so did you, so you're in that case, you're not really putting that on. Like they're already planning to go out and do that, but you're partnering with them. As- We're a sponsor. So we come alongside like Andrew Peterson. I love that you said that because one of the people on staff with our, um, with compassion, her husband actually plays for that every year. Really? Yeah. So that's good to know that you guys just come alongside though. I mean, cause you know, I've been to Lauren day, like all these different concerts yeah. and, you know, compassion is there. So that's cool to yeah. know that part of it. Well, okay. So now, like you mentioned earlier, um, we have become friends through podcasting and your show is take the stage. And so what, I mean, obviously from our conversation, you love speaking, you love to help speakers. So tell us a little bit about your show and, um, why you're so passionate about it. Well, you know, it's funny because it started out as I have all these friends in the speaking world and I thought, well, this will be fun. I loved podcasting and I've done two other shows and I just was like, Lord, I love this, but I don't want to do it just to do it. I want it to be something that will glorify you. So this is kind of how me and Jesus figured this out. And he goes, well, you got all this experience and you got all these connections. Let's put the two together. Let's make a show. So originally the show was just going to be me interviewing people and sharing about their journey and how they got started as speakers. And then I would do occasional bonus episodes. And then I had a couple of friends speak into me and they said, Mary, that's great, but they need more and we don't have it. And these were speaker friends. They said, and we don't have it to give them, but you have it because you not only have been on the stage, you've been behind the stage, you've booked people on the stage, you have all the elements so you can share with them how they can effectively take the stage. So it shifted the the focus from just interviews. I still do interviews and they still are interspersed, but it's really just sharing how to get booked, how to write an email that will catch the attention of an event planner. It is very niche. It is for people who are looking to take their God-given message into the stage. And that stage may be a Facebook live. It may be a virtual series because what I've learned, Amber, is we're not all called to the same stage. It's true. My stage right now is very small. It's a very small group of people that God has said, these are your people. You will shepherd them well. You will help them 
find their voice, their message, and you will help them go and deliver that message out Mm -hmm. into the world. So I'm in a very small space, but that's okay. Cause I love where I'm at. I love helping people figure out their voice and critiquing and letting them get better and just, and I love to push people. So this is fun for me. I'm, I'm having, that's right. Well, I mean, and I think about people, you know, some of the I don't want to say the most gifted speakers, but some of the speakers that have impacted me the most are teaching leaders in Bible study fellowship and community Bible study. And, you know, they're also learning more and more about how to teach God's word effectively. And so there's so many, there, there are just so many types of speakers, whether you're speaking to your small group of 10, but you're teaching them and leading them, or you're speaking to thousands, we can all learn and grow. Absolutely. We can all learn and we can all learn the techniques of storytelling and body language and how to use your voice. There's so many aspects that surround how to engage your people. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Well, tell everybody, how can they connect with you? Um, Obviously they can listen to take the stage anywhere Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, your favorite listening app, just go type in, take the stage, but also you have a Facebook group. That's very, very helpful. So share those things, how people can connect with you as we close out. You can find me at, uh, take the stage podcast.com. So that's a blog. It has resource and there's some free resources over there too. So you can get your free resources over there. And you can find the Facebook group is Take the Stage Speakers. Just search it. It's the only thing that comes up for me anyway. So um, yeah, and then you can listen to um, me on your favorite listening app. And I have an email list. So if you go over to that uh, either place, you can join the email list. I'm not going to make it difficult for you. Yeah, that's right. You can find it at the website or at the Facebook. That's right. Well, thanks so much, Mary, for being here today. You know, um, I love being able to chat with you. Been a blast. As we close out today's episode, I want to remind you, in case you weren't able to do it earlier, to go to Grace Enough Podcasts and sign up for my newsletter. I want to connect with you there. Hit reply to that first email and let me know what resonated with you from my conversation with Mary today. Here is something she said that really resonated with me. There is danger in putting a cap on your own gift. And she was referring to the gifts God gives us. I loved it and would like to know what resonated with you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.